Hi, welcome to, to Diversity in the D. It's season two, episode 10. Today, I'm going to start the podcast off with an update. A 27-year-old man was arrested for the gas station shooting on McNichols and Appline Street near Lodge Freeway. The 27-year-old has a history of violent offenses along with mental health challenges. He is still armed with a gun. And then in Flint, Michigan, four people have been charged in a dark web human trafficking ring. But officials believe there may be more victims who have not come forward and more arrests are still to be made. Genesee County Sheriff announced on May 5th that the investigation into four people, one in Grand Blank and three in Burton, the Sheriff's Office's Genesee Human Oppression Strike Team Ghost Task Force has accused of exploiting at least four children. They were groomed, drugged, and monetized their sexual acts. Three people charged include Crystal Benton, 42, Nicholas Dunn, 41, and Joshua Himpenstill, 45. Benton is charged with two counts of first-degree criminal sexual conducts, child sexually abusive activity, and accosting children for immoral purposes. Dunn faces three counts of first-degree criminal sexual conduct, child sexually abusive activity, and accosting children for immoral purposes. Hippenstill is charged with aggravated child sexually abusive material and accosting children for immoral purposes. A fourth person, the orchestrator behind the criminal criminal enterprise, 38-year-old Preston Allen Foster Creed, Bohm, is charged with distributing child pornography and processing or receiving child pornography. According to a federal indictment charge, Creed Bohm, an undercover agent with Homeland Security began chatting with him in December of 2022. During the conversations, Creed Bohm said he engaged with sex acts on minors and distributed videos of child porn to the agent. He also said he committed these acts with children as young as 4 to 10 years old. A warrant was executed at a home where he was arrested. They found Bohm was the orchestrator of other people collecting porn and trading it, and he would be the distributor. On December 20th, 2022, the other three were arrested in Burton. Dunn and Benton are engaged, and Hibbenstill and Bohm are in a relationship. It was learned that they would feed their victims THC-laced gummies. They would get them so drugged, they would then take advantage of them, and the victims would not be able to defend themselves. They were brought to the home, videotaped, and photographed. Then those images were shared on the internet. The investigation is ongoing, meaning more arrests arrests are possible. So what do you think of that? That's strange because that name, the Crystal Benson girl, that name sounds so familiar. Well, she's she's up there around our ages. It sounds so familiar. I heard that name somewhere before. Like, when was this? This was in December of 2022. I heard that name before that. Yeah, I heard that name before. She's familiar. She's 42 years old. Yeah, that name sounds familiar as hell. They're I sick. don't forget names. They're sick. Sick, 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 sick. They all deserve to be in there. Gang, a whole gang of people. Doing, people are. Jesus Christ. It's sad. Sad, sad, sad. I got another case. 
local. It's a missing Michigan woman, D. Warner, to be profiled in an episode of ID show Disappeared. The disappearance of a Michigan woman, now presumed dead, is set to be featured in the latest episode of This Spirit on the ID Network. The episode Vanished in the Heartland is set to broadcast at 10 p.m. on Wednesday. Uh, Dee Ann Warner, who vanished from her Franklin Township home in April 2021. Dee Warner was 52, was last seen the morning of April 25, 2021, at a residence on Munger Road in Franklin Township. According to the Lenaway County Sheriff's Office, Warner has had no contact with her family or friends by phone or social media, police said. After more than a year after being reported missing, the family of Dee Warner held a press conference May 9, 2021 at Hardy Farms near Tipton in the Irish Hills, where investigative attorney Billy Little presented evidence to police indicating Dee Warner's husband, Dale Warner, killed her in an act of domestic violence and hit her body. The evidence he presented highly circumstantial, but still solid enough to be used by police and prosecutors to issue charges in the case. He laid out the facts of the case he presented to law enforcement. He claims Dee Warner was physically abused by her husband on multiple occasions leading up to her disappearance, and that she was planning her escape from him when she disappeared. Greg Hardy, Dee Warner's brother, said he saw the signs his sister was being abused, but did not realize it at the time and only now recognized what was happening, he said. Little highlighted several suspicious circumstances of the disappearance, including Dale Warner's timeline of events not adding up, as well as the couple's home security video camera not showing Dee Warner leave the house. Little note that a piece of heavy farm equipment, a JCB loader, appeared to have been driven up to the front door of the home of the day of her, of her disappearance, and it was cleaned shortly after. Little also found it suspicious that all of Dee Warner's electronic devices, including the smartwatch on her wrist, went dead on the morning of her disappearance. On August 9th, the Michigan State Police announced it was taking over the investigation of Dee Warner's disappearance. Okay, now do you want to move on to episodes? What? Cases. All right, so this case is going to be about Frederico Frederico Cruz. Yeah, the name itself speaks for itself. Jesus Christ. Killed and decapitated a team. On April 29, 1996, Frederico Cruz started a conversation with David Crawford who was walking beside a railroad track to show Crawford marijuana plants growing in the woods. David accidentally stepped on one of the plants, and that made Frederico fly into a fly into a rage. He was mad. He killed David. Frederico claimed he killed David so he can please Satan. He stated he heard demonic voices and that posters in his bedroom spoke to him. That's weird. Police found David's head propped up against a tree. Federico took the head home and 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 excuse my I can't I can't, I can't get it out <laughs> and diselected it. Okay. Dissected it. Yeah. Dissected it. Okay. Yeah, you got it kind of crazy, but I guess so. You got that grandma right here. He he recorded himself while he did it. 
He provided. He provided. He provided. He provided commentary and had loud music, bearing it to the background. In 1997, Kent County, a jury convicted Federico of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to life in prison. The U.S. Supreme Court struck down mandatory life sentence for juveniles. The Kent County prosecutors of of in. And Grand Rapids filed motions to impose no parole sentence on 13 defendants. Cruz topped the list. He was back in court on November 7th of 2018 because of the Supreme Court's mandatory for juveniles with life sentences. This was about horrific as it get as it could get, said Kent County Prosecutor Chris Beaker. Getting there, ladies and gentlemen. The judge agreed as as he as he rattled as he rattled of offenses Cruz committed as a child, including including poisoning a poisoning a container of milk, arson, theft, sexually inappropriate behavior with relatives, and animal torture. Okay, he's sick. His his antisocial behavior leading up to the murder included expo explosion exposure from school expect expulsion expulsion from school and a long juvenile record. The judge said it's not. It's not it's not articulate. No, it's not articulate. Everything that was done. It was it was it was nothing ideal. It was intentional. It wasn't anything. It wasn't nothing spontaneous. It was planned. It was a cold. It was a cold, calculated, almost clinical deselection of this man's head. Francisco's father contacted the police on April 29, nineteen ninety-six, to report his son may have been may have committed a murder. He had learned from one of Frederico's friends that he had uploaded, he had a videotape the murder. The sheriff's department searched the home of Cruz's. Officers found a white plastic bag behind the house containing a human head. When cops questioned Frederico, he said that David stepped on his marijuana plants and he threw him then threw him into a rage. He started to strike David in the head, knocking him down, then kicked him in the head several times and stepped on David's throat, crushing his windpipes, killing him. He said he felt remorse for just a couple seconds. Then he admitted to cutting off David's head several hours after killing. 
he told detectives he wanted a skull, a real skull to use as as decorations. Oh, he's sick as hell. The prosecutor also said Frederico tried to cut off David's heart, tried to cut out David's heart as well as his spinal cord. He then went back to his house and started to mutilate the head with loud music playing in the background, providing commentary as he cut through head and re and referred to the recording as another fic as another fucking ep episode of a murder show. Deputies recovered David's headless body in a swampy wood area propped against a tree. There was 17 stab wounds in his chest and back, a grappling area in his in his lower chest and abdomen area. The wounds were inflict was inflicted after David's death. At his trial, attorneys launched a insanity defense. The jury didn't buy it. The judge uphold his life sentence given the not given the nature of the crime had he said it was savage butchery. Frederico was 16 years old when he murdered 17 year old David. Yeah, right. Damn crotch goblins. These crotch goblins are out of control. Just killing people. Dissecting them. Oh, crack baby. Sorry to say that. Excuse my language. People, watch who you mix your blood with. Started making demons. <laughs> the Supreme Court and that rule because they're, you know, they probably a, they probably a product of that environment also. <laughs> well, our next case is Troy Break. <clears throat> On September 29, 2008, Shermaine Zimmer, her sons Tyler, Jeremy, and Jeremy's girlfriend, Catherine Brown, were found dead in their home in Ottawa County. The family dog was also found dead. So sad. The Zimmers died of gunshot wounds, and Brown died of a head injury. She had taken three to ten blows to her head with a hard blunt object. At 12.45 on September 29, 2008, a neighbor, Heather Trout, saw smoke coming from the Zimmer's home and called 911. After, after they put out the fire, they found the bodies. Tremaine's body was found in the living room. She was shot in the chest and abdomen. Tyler's body was found in the basement. He had been shot twice in the chest. Jeremy's body was found in a bedroom in the upper level of the home. He had been shot once in the head. Brown's body was found on the top of the staircase leading to the second floor. She was nude from the waist down. They could not do a sexual assault exam because they, her body was so burned. All the family were dead before the fire started, except for Jeremy. He was still breathing when the fire began. The police found that a Glock 27 handgun was used in the murders and that the fire was rolled in arson. The fire was started where all the bodies were found, except where where Tyler was. There was three points of origin. When police started doing their police report while investigating, they came the case. Eh, investigating the case, they discovered that on October 16, 2008, Mary Parker was standing on a street corner in Grand Rapids when Troy Brake picked her up 
in order to engage in sexual acts with her. At some point during the encounter, Troy got violent and started to hit her, kick her, and choke her, and dragged her around while pointing a gun at Mary. Mary was hit hard with what she thought was a beer bottle that resulted in eight staples in her head. He then pointed a gun at her head and said, Are you stupid? I have got a gun to your head and I will kill you. He then grabbed her head and hit it on a picnic table several times. He then pulled off Mary's pants and underwear and put a finger in her vagina. At this point, she noticed a police vehicle and ran towards it for help. Troy was arrested and was found with a 40 caliber Glock 23 handgun. They knew a Glock handgun was used in the Zemmers murders and Brown, so they did a search to find Troy's address to determine if he was connected to the murders in any way. They found out he had actually lived next to the Zimmers. They executed a warrant on Troy's home. They recovered a 40 caliber Glock 27 handgun, two spent shell casings that were in the pole barn. They determined the gun found at Troy's house was the same gun used in the shooting at the Zimmers murder. Troy claimed he had not seen the Zimmers since he was 12 or 13 years old. However, Shermaine's son, Robert Zimmer, the second, said Troy's parents didn't separate till he was 17 or 18. So Troy moved on with the till Troy moved in with the Zimmers in the 1990s for a year. Dylan Rash, a friend of Jeremy, said he had seen Troy killed a couple of skunks in the Zimmers yard in 2008. And the Owens, and the owner of Bodell Pest Control, was handling pest control for Wright Tavern. When he observed Shermaine talking to Troy at the tavern on September 16, 2008, 12 days before the murders. Melissa Sue Krithoff testified she had previously lived in the same apartment complex as Troy and his girlfriend Tara Van Dyke, but she believed they moved out in 2008 because she noticed they were gone. Melissa moved out of the apartment the 18th of September, but started throwing things away in the bunk dumpster a few weeks before one of the things. She threw away with a statue of a Marine. This statue Troy would later on try to sell to Shermaine. Tara said she lived with Troy on September 28, 2008, and on that day he was planning to go to a friend's house, Danny Butts. And at 10.07 p.m., Troy made a call to William Simon to see if he wanted to look at tires he was selling. After making the call, Troy left the house. Troy returned home that evening at 11.30 p.m. Tara said when Troy got home, he smelled like smoke. But she said he always smelled like smoke, and Troy said they, there was a bonfire at Danny Butt's house. An inmate named Fredell Pugh that was Kent County Jail with Troy said he had told him he liked 40 caliber handguns, and while in jail, a news report about the fire and murders at the Zemmer's house came on, and Troy replied, that little blonde was sure hot. He then replied he had to have her by any means necessary, even if it meant getting rid of the rest of the people in the house. He then said, I take what I want. He said that he beat the hell out of her because shooting her would have been too good for her. He also told Fridell he hated women because they mistreated him and that women were only good for sex and that he liked sex with prostitutes. He wouldn't pay them for their services, then would pistol whip them. When they got out of his vehicle. The travel time between Troy's house and the Zimmer's home was 20 minutes. Troy Brake received a mandatory life sentence. 
Wow. It's another one coming. People are crazy. Take one in. Yeah. yeah, that's so I think his motive for killing all people was just to get at the blonde, the brown. Because she was in the house with the family. Probably. So, if that that was the motive, that's kind of he deserved to be in jail. Like, and plus yeah, the way he was treating the prostitutes. Right. He probably. Some people like that. I don't know what they they thought. Some some of those people be. Some of those people, I think that they just not cool with their sexuality and don't want to admit to it and some of those people probably be like well if females get a better get a better treatment than them like you know but anywhere it goes it don't make it right so that's the only two things or i mean what a lot of things that these people they need help and a lot of help don't help a lot of people it's just sad to say that they was born that way they're gonna die that way they're just evil. They just they just sick. That's the reason. I mean, you gotta look at genetics is not to be that much. That's why they tell you make watch who you mix your blood with. You could be you can think you so sane and you so perfect, but if you mix your blood with somebody that's that's demonic as hell or just sick as hell or just doped out or strung out, then I mean it's it, it's not gonna it's not gonna balance. Genetics don't lie, it's mm-hmm. not gonna balance. So that's what a lot of these things, these little demons are running around. Like, they can't help it. It's their parents' fault. I'm just glad that he served a life sentence because he don't need to be out here. They need natural life. Maybe they can give everybody life. 20 to 30 years don't 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 justify anything. Natural life, you be around until you die. <laughs> Well, that was our episode for today. It's been it's a great day out there. Try to get out there, do something. Sun's blaring, beautiful. And I want to say thank you to all our listeners. Don't forget to subscribe, follow, like, and comment. And also remember, we are available on the following platforms: Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Our Facebook page is Diversity in the D. Our email is D I V E R C I T Y I N. T-H-E-D at gmail.com. And that's about concludes our our case. And what I want to say today, uh, I guess we will see you again on Sunday. Hope you guys have a great day.